It seems as though every time we hit some kind of new low point in our republic's politics and morals, and one cannot possibly see how our wise overlords in government could make the situation any worse, some politician is always prepared to dream that impossible dream and screw things up in new and unimaginable ways. Most recently, this feat was accomplished by Joe Biden in what is already an infamously catastrophic address he gave a few days ago in Philadelphia. Hey, greetings and welcome back to Legalese. My name is Bob. I want to thank you all so much for joining me here today. Now, if you are new to the show, I would especially like to welcome you. This is a podcast where we're going to be discussing all things constitutional law, as well as discussing current events in politics and other areas of law as well. Now, you can find this show on a number of different platforms. Uh, you can find the video version on YouTube Rumble Odyssey. Uh, the audio version is on Anchor and Spotify. You can go and read a bunch of great articles I write over at Substack. Uh, and you can also just go find all of that stuff if you head over to my show's new homepage, LegalEaseShow.com. There you will find a full archive of past videos and articles, as well as contact info, links, uh, in, including uh, more stuff like a chance to read about and even pre-order, if you wish, my new upcoming book, Constitutional Sleight of Hand, An Explicit History of Implied Powers. And on that note, I want to uh, apologize. I know I haven't been getting out as many of the sort of long-form, well-researched legal historical videos that I try to do fairly often. Uh, a lot of that energy has been going into the book, so uh, I hope you guys will uh, kind of remain patient with me as I release mostly some of these shorter, snappier videos like we're going to do today. I promise you the wait will be well worth it. I'm very excited uh, about how this book is turning out. Uh, so, but anyways... Uh, enough rambling on uh, about myself. Uh, let's move on to our topic for today, which is why Joe Biden be clowning himself with his absurd authoritarian wannabe speech it has to be the very best white pill that those of us who favor limited constitutional government could have possibly asked for. And not even us, really. I, I know there's many people uh, who watch the show, uh, libertarians and anarchists, who uh, I think that even that is too much government, uh, and I'm certainly sympathetic to that. Uh, but the fact is that all of us should be thrilled at Biden's bungle in Philadelphia. So let's talk about this speech. Now, I have a feeling if you're watching this video, you're someone who has probably already subjected yourself to watching the speech that I'm talking about. If you haven't, I will put a link down in the description. It is uh, definitely worth going and watching, and it is even worth uh, the sickening nausea and the pain that comes from spending 20 minutes fighting your gag reflex so you don't throw up all over your keyboard as you watch it. Now, if you haven't seen the speech, surely you have seen some of the still shots that have been making the rounds in the news and on social media uh, that show some of, some of the stuff like the ambiance that just had this creepy uh, authoritarian and dystopian vibe going on the whole time. Uh, it just show this really creepy side of Joe Biden. Oh, I thought that was a picture of the speech. Well, these are other creepy pictures of Joe Biden. I'm sure we'll get to the right one here momentarily. I mean, how many different people can he inappropriately touch and sniff, right? 
There we go. That's the right one. So this is the speech that he gave. Uh, I got another shot of it here, too. Now, there has already been a huge backlash over so much of this speech. Uh, from, like I said, his sort of ominous, dystopian-looking backdrop. To a president who can't seem to decide if he wants to be our country's great uniter, or if he wants to be the person responsible for turning half of the country against the other half uh, by and, and destroying them, really, by any means necessary. Not only that, but there was also, of course, his just constant, repugnant, dehumanizing rhetoric that he kept using to label half the country literal terrorists with whom peaceful coexistence is impossible, uh, as he used this weird autistic repetition of several meaningless concepts and ideas like MAGA Republicans and semi-fascists, and he just kept saying this over and over and over, as if you say meaningless shit enough times, it'll actually mean something. But... Really, what he does is he opines about how he insists these people are such uh, an existential threat to our democracy uh, that they, Biden and the Democratic Party, must necessarily destroy democracy to save democracy, and going on to say why he is perfectly justified in doing that. And furthermore, he is very clear that there is absolutely nothing possibly contradictory whatsoever in saying the only way to save democracy is to destroy democracy. Now, I know the part of the speech that has got most people worked up has been his attack on the uh, Republicans, uh, and I get that, but when I watched his speech, that wasn't the part that really um, stood out to me, uh, at, that got me worked up. Uh, that I found especially offensive and that what I want to talk to you about here today, a lot of people have covered that and they've done a very good job talking about why everything about that was fucked up and awful. Um, but what I want to talk about comes after that. Now, at a certain point, Biden began talking about politics and violence. He kept saying, we can't have violence in politics. Now, he was, of course, completely ignoring the fact that politics is violence. Now, this is certainly an idea we have talked about here before. And in fact, this is one I talked about quite a bit in one of my more recent videos called The Full Scope of the Second Amendment, which I would definitely recommend going to watch if you haven't seen it, because I really get into this idea of discussing the fact that the, real, the one true definition of a nation state that we can understand is a belief in the monopoly on the use of violence. The government always has one card to play. Do what we say, or we will send guys with guns to hurt you and throw you in a cage. Now, this is why I couldn't understand how everyone seemed so shocked recently when it was revealed that the IRS had bought 5 million new rounds of ammunition and that they were hiring as many as 80,000 new IRS agents and that some percentage of these agents uh, were going to be guys with guns empowered to use deadly force. That should not have been a surprise to anyone, that the IRS is ready and willing to send guys with guns to use force to get you to comply with whatever they want you to comply with, and that a failure to comply will result in the government hurting you or locking you in a cage should have been seen as their obvious policy choice, even for the IRS to enact, because that is the way all government function. To have a nation state 
is nothing more than to have a ruling class who claim a monopoly on the legitimate use of violence. But of course we all know what he's really talking about here, even though I don't think he quite plainly spelled it out. He is trying to talk about the January 6th thing, his so-called insurrection that, as far as I can tell, barely qualifies as a riot and is even more uh, appropriately classified as a bunch of sore losers throwing a tantrum. But this guy is entirely clueless as he gives this speech condemning this so-called insurrection, talking about how violence and resisting the government are not what America stands for, as he stands in front of Independence Hall, which, if you guys weren't aware, that is the building he is standing in front of, Independence Hall in Philadelphia. Now, the reason this matters is because this building is a place where a few years ago, uh, a large group of Americans got together uh, and they wrote this little piece of paper that kind of ended up getting them in a whole bunch of trouble because they told uh, the British government that was claiming a monopoly on the use of force over them that that government could go fuck themselves. This document emphatically declared to King and Parliament, fuck you, we will not follow your laws, we will not pay your taxes, we do not recognize your authority. And here we have Joe Biden getting on stage in all seriousness saying, you can't be pro-insurrection and pro-America. Nothing could be further from the truth. Otherwise, what the hell is the 4th of July, if not a celebration of the official start of an armed uprising against the power of a state? It is a celebration that our country exists. That existence required us to seditiously reject another country's rule. The reason we declared independence in 1776, but technically were recognized, officially speaking, as our own country until 1783 is because uh, there was a period in there between the declaration uh, and its actual independence following the Treaty of Paris, when we were kind of busy uh, engaging uh, in, in this little violent insurrection called the American Revolution. I guess Joe Biden thinks we can just pretend that never happened or something. Furthermore, Biden goes on to make repeated allusions to the Constitution and the Declaration. Now, he constantly muddles those two things together into one, which... Uh, is it, I can't be too mad at him for because even people with fully functioning brains tend to do that. So I, I'm not terribly annoyed with that. But what he talks about is how he says that these uh, the MAGA Republicans don't respect the Constitution because of the way that they have acted, which shows that he clearly doesn't understand what the Constitution even fucking is. He doesn't understand how it works what it does. Because the Constitution is not the law that governs us. It is the law that governs those who govern us. The Constitution does not bind private citizens. It binds Joe Biden. And he clearly doesn't get that, but we're going to get back to that in a little bit. Now, the most ironic thing of all is that as he is quoting directly from the Declaration of Independence, and he is saying 
you can't be pro-America and pro-insurrection. He is reading from a document whose very existence was the justification of a violent insurrection against the government. In fact, the very last line of the declaration very clearly states, when a government comes to violate the rights of its people and no longer governs through consent, it is the people's right and their duty to alter or abolish that government. Now, shifting a little bit, I want to talk about the fact that I realize many people have, as they have covered this speech, they have come away with a very negative attitude about it, um, which I, I get because it was generally Joe Biden calling half of the country terrorists and them uh, say, just shocked, did he really just call us terrorists? And then the other half of the country uh, who seemed to... Uh, be having trouble continuing to support this guy. Uh, and obviously this isn't the entire left, but it, it, there's been many people, Democrats and progressives, who were left genuinely incredulous that this guy was getting up there and telling half of the country that they should be terrified of the other half of the country at the same time he tries to paint himself as a great American uniter. Now, I can see why people would walk away with a negative impression about that. Not me, though. This speech is one of the best white pills I have ever seen in my entire life. Because this shows that this is the best that he can do. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with the term white pill, um, this all goes back a number of years ago to uh, this guy. He's an author, philosopher, social political commentator, Menchus Moldbug. Uh, and he took the idea of the red pill from the Matrix movie and extrapolated that into a much uh, richer philosophical concept. Now, I'm sure we all remember that what the red pill was in the movie is it signifies an awakening that can be difficult or painful, but which allows you to clearly see matters with a certain objective truth and to see a reality you couldn't see before. Whereas, in the movie, if you chose the blue pill instead, it would allow you to go back to the manufactured false world you had existed in without any knowledge or memory of the reality that you had been offered a choice to be a part of. Now, the concept of the white pill and the black pill takes this idea of uh, two responses to the same situation uh, and extrapolates on that. So this refers to something that happens as we view the world around us. And Now, when someone is black-pilled, that means that following some particular event, their perception of it caused them to abandon all hope and to uh, adopt a sort of cynical nihilism about what they just saw or experienced. By contrast, a white pill is when a person looks at that exact same reality and the exact same reality that is so unpleasant to the person who is black pill. But instead of adopting the black pill uh, sort of abandonment of hope uh, and that adoption of cynical nihilism, you see these circumstances as a good sign, as a positive sign, that the good guys can actually win in the end.
And that is what I see from Biden's authoritarian speech here. It is a huge white pill. Because you have to realize, this is the best he can do. What is the difference between Biden's speech and the speech of a successful authoritarian like Fidel Castro or a Hugo Chavez? Well, the only difference I see is that Chavez and Castro are charismatic, compelling, coherent, and persuasive. Now, despite the fact that these are obviously two terrible people with terrible ideas, I can see how, due to the power of their charisma and their persuasion and personality, they could get good people to come on side to such a terrible idea. I can understand how good people could be drawn to that through uh, their ability to persuade. Whereas Joe Biden is a terrible person with terrible ideas and nothing else. Joe Biden has no charisma. He has no likability. He has no power of persuasion. And this is a huge shift. I, I mean, even if we look at the last Democratic president, uh, Obama, I, I mean, Obama was a persuasive, charismatic person that could get people on board with things they otherwise normally wouldn't get on board with. Biden has none of that. None. Now, again, what gets me about this is that his team are so out of touch that when they planned this speech, they looked at the visual style with the blood red background and uh, the soldiers flanking him and the really, you know, mean, hateful rhetoric. And they thought this was a winning strategy. Now, right now, uh, Biden's approval rating is 38%, uh, which essentially means that his disapproval rating is something like 62%. Now, I think that this speech explains why that is, and I think they don't understand that. Because if you think about it, uh, you know, 50% of the 62% that disapprove of him are probably the half of the country that are Republicans that he spent the entire speech calling, you know, terrorists and fascists and all these other things. And the other 12% of people who disapprove of how he is handling his presidency are people who were or are, uh, ha you know, members of the Democratic Party who have or are in some way supporters of him. But these are mainstream Democrats and progressives who have supported him in the past and see what he has been doing recently as just going too far to get behind. Between this authoritarian backdrop and his being flanked by Marines, which is something that always is meant to signify, when the president does it, that we are in a literal state of war. And the casual use of blatantly discriminatory language like fascist and terrorist and white supremacists, it has been heartening to see Democrats and progressive recognizing this rhetoric has taken on an indefensible assertion and calling it out both on social media and in the real world and on the news. And we are seeing a lot of Democrats who voted for Joe Biden in 2020 beginning to show signs that they cannot possibly in good conscience support him in 2024. And look, I understand 
that there was many, many people still who insisted that there was nothing wrong or ominous about the look or feel of this speech, and that more than a few of these far-left, rabid, brain-dead shills like Keith Olbermann and everyone, everyone at MSNBC, who were not only ready to defend Joe's speech, but were ready to viciously attack anyone who had any criticism of it whatsoever. But this only further makes my point, because the speech didn't win over a single person who wasn't already a pathological leftist sycophant, but it did lose him the support of a decent number of mainstream Democrats and progressives who would probably tend to disagree with someone like myself on just about everything, but are even they still see what I see, that this speech is unsupportable nonsense. So, it, when it comes to these, you know, leftist shield brain-dead sycophants who were uh, defending him by attacking other people, how did they go about doing it? Did they make substantive counter-arguments? No. They just called every person who was being the least bit critical... And this was even true when the person they were attacking was an avowed progressive or leftist. Any person who made any criticism whatsoever was immediately attacked as being an alt-right, democracy-hating, Trump-supporting, white supremacist fascist. All they did was the same thing that Joe Biden done that we know didn't convince anybody of anything. And this is not a coincidence. And this is what I've been trying to say. This is the best they can do, folks. And I don't just mean Biden. I mean this entire ruling class and their regime. The only card they have left to play is this petty name-calling bullshit. And even amongst their own base, these arguments are becoming less and less compelling, and it is becoming noticeably distasteful and indefensible. And what's more is the fact that his handlers thought they needed to go so ridiculously overboard to pretend that they were speaking from a position of strength when they are obviously not, tells me that they understand that what they have been doing up to this point isn't working, but they are in such a weak and feeble position, they don't even understand why nothing they are doing is working, and they certainly don't understand how to shift course towards a positive arc that would lead them out of this moral, ethical, and financial morass that they find themselves in. So they are doing everything they are capable of doing in this situation, which is just flailing around, having a tantrum, and blaming everyone else for the situation that they find themselves in because of the choices they made. These people are incapable of accept accepting even a modicum of responsibility for their actions. Now, there is a very famous quote from Napoleon I've always loved, where he said, Never interrupt your enemy while they are busy making a mistake. I love that line. Never interrupt your enemy while they are busy making a mistake. And that is exactly why we should not be worried about how to respond to this obvious direct threat from the ruling class, suggesting that everyone who isn't totally with them is totally against them. Right now, we should be celebrating the fact that these sociopaths 
are in such a sorry state that they would make the monumental mistake of telling the vast majority of the country, if you aren't entirely with us, you're entirely against us. Now, that has been their position all along. This is really the first time that they've been stupid enough to come out and say it in such a blatant and obvious way that he has actually began turning their own people against him. And what better white pill could you actually ask for? What could be a better sign that the good guys have a chance of winning? Well, that is going to do it for me here today. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Uh, now, if you would take a moment and do all the usual shit, um, subscribe to the channel so you always get updates when new shows come out. Let me know you thought about the video by hitting the thumbsy uppy button or the thumbsy downy button, depending on how you felt about it. Uh, and uh, definitely leave a comment if you would. I, uh, I mean, I love hearing from you guys about your thoughts on anything in this video uh, and getting to interact with you a bit. Uh, and also, all of that stuff, doing you know the comments and the uh, hitting the like button, that all helps to feed Al Gore's rhythm, which helps me. So I'd be appreciative if you would take a second and do that. So anyways, until next time, uh, this has been, you know, Bob for Legalese talking about Joe Biden's white pill. And uh, I guess until next time, Cartago de Lenda Est.